Last week, while we were discovering the secrets of Job, part one, I, we looked at a few things. We looked at the testing of Job, we looked at the trial of Job, we looked at the truth of Job and his life, and then we took, caught a glimpse of the triumph of Job, what was going to happen at the end of that story. We spotlighted on a few of the scenes from this true story of a good man who trusted God and maintained a confidence in God that couldn't be broken even by Satan. And the lesson we learned from Job last week is that victory comes from patience and waiting on God and never changing our perception of Him just because of our situation or the things around us may change. This week, we're going to see just how important it is to hang on to your faith when everything comes crashing down on you, literally. And so if you're looking for the takeaway today, that was it. How we can hang on to our faith no matter what's going on around us. As we look into the lessons from Job, we're going to take a close look at his struggles. Last week, I outlined the story of Job for you, and I challenge you to read through it. Who, who read through it? I, I, got, I got these candies for... And who, who, JR, there you go, buddy. Thanks, Paul. Who else read through it? Don't lie. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right, there we go. All right. Paul, I think I owe you two candies, but, you know, I don't want to be left out of that. Um, I hope you will read through the story of Job. And, and one of the things I realized as I was going through preparing the second half was as you read through the story of Job, there are parts of that story where you can just insert your own name when, with the things that he's going through. And we're going to get to that. But chapters 1 and 2 of the story of Job set things up very well. And for those of you, if you weren't here last week or if you didn't read, I'll bring you up to speed real quick. Satan was walking around the earth and God gave him permission to test and afflict Job because Satan told God that Job only likes him because God has blessed him. Okay? This is my, this is my version. You read it for yourself. But in the middle of chapters 2 through about the middle of chapter 27, we get a really good look at what Job's struggles were. And we get a really good look at how he expressed his struggles to God. He struggled with some things. As you read through this, you'll understand that he struggled with his circumstances, with what was happening around him. He struggled with that. He even struggled with, him, with, him, with himself. Have you ever done that? Have you had those internal struggles? You know, he, he struggled with himself. He struggles with his wife. I know that's never happened with any of the, the families here. He struggled with his wife. He, he struggles with, with many things. He, he struggles with his friends. Have you ever struggled with your friends? And he struggled with God. Stop me if I get too close to home here. Actually, don't stop me because I'm about to be on a roll. But we're going to look at the things that Job struggled with today. And in the end, you're going to see that one of the secrets of victory is holding on to your faith no matter what's going on around you. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come to look at the life of Job once again to just get a glimpse of some of the pain, the suffering, physical and mental and spiritual, the things that he endured. I pray that as we look at your word, that we'll find pieces of ourselves there. I pray that we can pick up on what we learned today and that we can leave here just being better, a better reflection of you. That we can walk away from here knowing that no matter what is happening around us in our lives, that you will see us through that struggle. You will see us through that season. 
We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We're going to start out looking at Job's struggles as he kind of took an overview of his circumstances. We're going to start off in Job chapter 17. And he struggles with himself here. And, and again, to really get a grasp of it, you've got to read the whole, the whole story of Job. I can only give you a snapshot in the time we have today. But Job 17 verse 1 says, My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? He's asking God, what is it I need to do to get away from all of this? Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. What else will you put up, or who else will put up security for me? You have closed their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. If anyone denounces their friends or reward, the eyes of their children will fail. God has made me a byword to everyone. God has made me a byword to everyone. A man who's in, who, in whose face people spit. Have you ever felt like you were a byword to everyone? Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever struggled so hard and so deep with what's happening in your life that this is, like I said earlier, it's one of those just insert your name here moments in Scripture. Have you ever been in that place of suffering where even your spouse doesn't understand? Why are you dealing with that? Just just let it go. Well, it's not easy to just let it go. Job struggles with his wife. She tells him, just curse God and die. And he tells her, why should we accept good from God and not bad? And then Job struggles with his friends. I shared some of this with you last week, but I'll summarize the discussion of Job's friends for you right now. Basically, they said the right things to the wrong guy, the wrong things to the right guy, and the wrong things to the wrong guy, but they never said the right things to the right guy. Some of you will get that about Wednesday. You'll be like, oh yeah, now I get it. I'm not making this up. In chapter 18, look at what Bildad the Shuhite said about Job as, he, as we get to the end of this, this story. Starting in verse 18, he says this. And he's talking about his friend. He's talking about Job. He is driven from the light into the realm of darkness and is banished from the world. He has no offspring. He just reminded Job that his kids were all dead, by the way. He has no offspring or descendants among his people. No survivor where he once lived. People of the West are appalled at his fate. He's now reassuring Job that everybody that's ever heard his name is appalled by him. Those of the East are seized with horror. Surely such is the dwelling of an evil man. Such is the place of one who does not know God. With friends like that, who needs enemies? You got your buddies over here telling you, you don't even know God. Job, the problem is you don't know God. But you know, and Job knew that he hadn't yet sinned against God. Sometimes our friends are telling us the wrong things. Let me tell you this. When you listen to the finite advice of your friends, it will cause you to struggle with the comprehension of the love and mercy and compassion of our infinite God. Job struggles with God. And I want you to know that's okay. Has anyone ever struggled with God? It's okay to struggle with God. Just remember, He's still in charge. You're not the boss of Him, but you can struggle with Him. 
me tell you, the lessons we learn from Job as he struggles with God, the main one is this. God always has his purpose. Whatever season you're going through right now, God has his purpose. Whatever struggle you're going through right now, God has his purpose. What was God's purpose here in the life and the struggles of Job? It was to glorify himself through Job, through Job's actions. God asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Satan didn't walk up and ask God, can I test Job? Satan was walking to and fro, and and when God asked him, what have you been doing? And that's what he said, I've walked the ends of the earth. And God said, "Have have you considered my servant Job? Satan didn't go up and say, hey, can I have Job? Can I test him? Can I sift him? No, God did, because God knew he would be glorified through Job's actions during this time. Something else we need to remember here is that Job was not aware of God's purpose at the beginning of this. He was not aware of God's purpose in the middle. He was not aware of God's purpose until when? The end, when God decided to tell him his purpose. And he struggled with trying to understand. He struggled with trying to grasp the gravity of what was going on around him. Losing everything, literally. And so Job struggles with his circumstances. Something else we can learn from Job is that it's natural for us to struggle. It's okay. Now I'm going to share something with you that is not the most popular school of thought when it comes to struggles and being a Christian or being a servant of God. Mainly because we've got some extremely unrealistic teachings about struggles out in our world. There are too many men who are preaching a wealth and prosperity gospel, a name it and claim it kind of thing. They like to say, if you have enough faith in God, and if you have enough faith maybe in the offering that you just gave to our cause, then God will bless you and your faith. You will receive tenfold what you gave. You can't outgive God, but you can sure give all you have to us. And if you give it with enough faith then know that God will richly bless you. It may take a little while, but you will be healed. If you give enough and you have enough faith, you'll be healed. You'll be restored from whatever spiritual or physical affliction is upon you. But Jesus himself tells us that's not correct. Yes, God will provide you your needs. And he may choose to bless some people in ways that he will never bless you. And that's okay. God even rebukes Job in this a little bit. It's a gentle rebuke, but nonetheless, God lets Job know that it's natural and it's okay for us to struggle. We need to keep in mind that God is with us throughout the struggle. Job never forgot this. In chapter 19, verse 2, Job says this in a conversation with God. He says, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly, you attack me. If it is true that I've gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed a crown from my head. Job understands what's happened around him. He, hasn't, he doesn't yet understand why. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. 
My relatives have gone away. Sometimes that's not a bad thing. But, but here, Job's realizing he's all alone. My closest friends have forgotten me. We just heard what his best friend, one of his friends, shared with him. My friends have forgotten me. My guests, my female servants, count me a foreigner. They look on me as a stranger. I summon my servant, but he doesn't answer. You need to understand, in Bible times, when your servant wouldn't answer, that was a punishable offense. But here is one of those situations where Job, his servant knows he is so downtrodden. He's like, you can't hold anything over me. I own more than you now as a servant. He says, he does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I'm loathsome to my own family. In verse 18, even... The little boys scorn me when I appear. They ridicule me. Again, this is about honoring elders. This is, this is something when he would walk into the city, if you would, to the town, even the little kids would make fun of him. Verse 19, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. Have you been there? I'm nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed... Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job shares his struggles with God. He, and here's the thing. We need to share our struggles with God. He already knows what you're struggling with. He already knows what you're going through. But I want to encourage you, the next time you're going through a rough season, rather than complaining about God to someone during that struggle, share with God what you're struggling with. Take your issue to the one who can actually help you. The one who can actually help you be on a, on a firm foundation. Take your issue to the one who can help you deal with it better than your friend. This is not only a lesson from Job, but even in the New Testament, Paul struggled with God over his thorn in the flesh. And you know when, when he finally came to peace with his struggle? Was when God told him he wasn't going to remove it. Paul said, remove this thorn in my flesh. God said, no. I'm not going to do anything about it. But know this, my grace is sufficient. We need to understand that God may not end a struggle for us. He may not bring a cure to you. He may not bring what you think you want, but He will most assuredly offer us His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness as we honestly deal with sin and situations in our life. Whatever your thorn in the flesh may be, sometimes the greatest flashes of enlightenment come out of our darkest times. And Job, is, it, it, Job just baffles me. It's one of the earliest books of the Bible recorded. And his spiritual development blows me away. When you think about Job, think about this. Seriously, he doesn't have the Gospels. He had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He doesn't know Jesus, all right, because he hadn't been here yet. 
He, he doesn't have the, the Acts of the Apostle. He doesn't have the book of Acts to look through. He doesn't even have, like, the Internet so he can be involved in an online worship chat. He doesn't have any of this stuff. Yet he is noted by God as being righteous, being a man above reproach, understanding how deep God's love is for him. We have all these things at our disposal and sometimes we still miss understanding how deep God's love is for us. Not only did Job not have all of those things, he lost everything and his friends are telling him, well, it must be something you did. Clearly you're a man without God. And yet Job said, no, there's more to it than that. Sometimes we need to understand that good lessons are worth the struggle. And when we focus on God during the struggle, instead of focusing on ourselves, ultimately things will always turn out right according to God's plan, according to His will for your life. The main lesson we can learn from Job is what he knew to be true for the secret of victory, and that is to maintain your faith. Sometimes all you can do is hang on to your faith while the storms of life are crashing around you, literally. Sometimes life can seem so heavy. The burdens we carry seem so big, Job. Or insert your name here. Whether it's small things that add up or big issues that weigh us down in the mundane or the unordinary things that happen in life. Whatever season of life you're going through, whatever area you're in, whether it's triumph or trial, Job, ask yourself, where is God when life is hard? Actually, let's just say no matter what the season of life is, we should be saying, where is God? We should constantly be seeking the Lord, constantly crying out for His wisdom, hope, and courage to believe in His good plan, not our own designs. I came across a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I think you'll find it encouraging as I did. And I think it will help us to see God's trustworthiness for our own hearts. It's a beautiful thing when we can roll our burdens to God, so to speak, and wait for Him to act. We can do that when we believe that He is our fortress, when we believe that He is our rock. Here's this quote. What a beautiful thing that we can roll our burdens to God and wait for Him to act. He is our rock. He is our mighty fortress. The Roll the whole burden of life upon the Lord. Leave with Jehovah not thy present fretfulness merely, but all thy cares. In fact, submit the whole tenor of thy way to Him. <clears throat> the, oh, forgot the next one. Cast away anxiety. Resign thy will. Submit thy judgment. Leave all with the God of all. The plowman sh- sows and harrows and then leaves the harvest to God. What can he do else? He cannot cover the heavens with clouds or command the rain or bring forth the sun or create the dew. He does well to leave the whole matter with God. And so, to all of us, it is truest wisdom, having obediently trusted in God, to leave results in His hands and expect a blessed issue. You know, we say that's easier said than done. But when Job did this, We'll see in, verse, in chapter 42, starting with verse 7, how things turned out for him. You also need to understand that God spoke to Job's friends at this point, And he told them that because they had been less than average on their part, a sacrifice was required of all three of them. Look at verse 7. 
After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. I shared this with you last week. He doubled everything. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 uh, excuse me, a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. Listen to this next verse. The first daughter he named Gemina, Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapak. Now, nowhere in the land were, found, were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. Why is that unusual? Because women didn't get inheritances back then. Not only does God restore Job, but Job realizes there's something more important than all the things that he had before, and that was his family. And as Job was restored, he restored his children, even his daughters. They received an inheritance along with their brothers. Verse 16 says, <clears throat> after, nowhere in all, nope, after this, there we go. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Job died an old man and full of years. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you need. Maybe you're needing a job right now. Maybe you're desiring to fix a mend or mend a relationship. Maybe you need healing from a breakup or a conflict with a friend. Maybe you're scared of the future. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going to happen next week or this summer and it concerns you. Maybe you're needing a place to live or you're worried over a family member. Maybe you're struggling just through every day. Working through an issue with your husband or your wife. Maybe you're struggling with a diagnosis or just living with an incurable disease. Maybe you're just waiting on the Lord for provision. Wherever your heart is today, we can commit our way to Him right now, just like Job did. We can leave our worries. We can leave our doubts. We can desires, our dreams. We can leave all those things at our feet, at His feet, and hold on to our faith. Hold on to your faith while you're waiting for God to act. After all, we aren't in control. 
He's in control. And if you're wondering, He desires for us to run to Him. Leave our longings with Him and wait. Wait and see what God does. His ways are so much better than ours, so much higher than our own, so much fuller than what we can do on our own. He is after our joy. He will accomplish His plans for us for His name's sake. You can rest in that. He will accomplish His plans for us for His name's sake. Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Are you ready to submit your situation to the Lord? Are you tired of struggling with the world and its limitations? It's time to respond to God like Job. Make the decision now that no matter what everyone else does, you will honor God. No matter what the season in your life or what the reason, remember that in the midst of his struggles with his wife, his friends, his circumstances, struggles with himself, struggles with God, Job said this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that I will in the end, and that he in the end will stand on the earth. As we come to our response time, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, good or bad, our Redeemer lives. So like Job, we need to understand the secret to victory is to hold on to your faith no matter what's going on around you. We need to make that decision before all the crazy happens. You need to make that a plan. Well, how do you do that? Well, by being involved in His Word every day. Spending time praying studying. You make that plan now so that when things start falling down around you, you can indeed honor God. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you've been learning and growing and making your faith your own and it's time to submit yourself to Him through baptism for the first time for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry's ready. I can change real quick. Maybe this is the first time you've realized just how much your struggles and your issues in life have overshadowed your relationship with God as a Christian. We, we get off track sometimes. We, we tend not to think about that. And then all of a sudden, we're just we're overwhelmed. We're overshadowed by those things. Maybe you just need to pray with someone about what's going on in your life. The elders are here. They'd love to pray and share with you. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing with us as we respond to God's Word? I love it when people respond to God's Word. It's been great to be here with all of you and to worship with you this morning, but now it's time to go. As you go, remember the lessons we learned from Job is that victory comes from patience and waiting on God. Don't change just because, or don't change your perception of Him just because your situation changes. You need to do whatever it takes now so that you can always hold on to your faith. You never know when the season may come and you find that your faith is all you have left, Job. Will you sing this last song with us?